It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Welcome to the show. It's US Open Week over in Boston at Brookline Country Club. It's going to be a tremendous week of golf and in amongst all the negativity that's out there at the moment around top-end golf, the game will actually come together at least for a few days. Rory McIlroy had a great win in Canada and it's always good to see him playing his best. Live Golf made its debut outside London with Charles Schwartzel winning the biggest cash prize in the history of the sport, 4.75 million US. Uh, there are no Aussies wow. in the top 20 there, although Travis Smythe picked up over a million dollars in two tournaments over the past fortnight. Richard Green won for the first time on the European Seniors Tour. Today we're going to hear from Minwoo Lee as he prepares for Boston as one of the seven Australians teeing it up in the US Open. We look forward to that. And we'll also chat with Nikki McClure, who's the first ever woman to become president of Kingston Heath Golf Club in Melbourne, one of the most famous golf courses in the world. She's also a passionate advocate for golf and in particular women's participation. I'm Martin Blake. We've got no Tiff Cherry this week. She's holidaying in Hawaii, but we do have... um, Touring pro and commentator, Mark Allen. Welcome, Marco. Good on you, Gazelle. Nice to see you. And our next guest is a ripper as well. So, no tiff, but we've just swung in Stacey Peters. Thank you, boys. Pro. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Stace. We haven't seen you for a while. Too I saw long. some lovely photos of you and little Zoe out at Victoria Golf Club the other day. It's nice that you're able to get her out there again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been great. We've, uh, yeah, we love taking Zoe to the club and hope we can do more of it in the future. Uh, Stace, uh, being a uh, two-time LET champion, I think you won back-to-back too, which is uh, even better. Uh, how about Lynn Grant? I mean, <laughs> what uh, to, to me, there's, there was a lot that happened this weekend, a lot that happened. But the one thing that took my breath away was watching this Swedish player not only take on the men, uh, she took on the women as well, but her golf swing was just electrifying. What what did you make of it? uh, I mean, well, the event, you know, as a whole, I mean, what a fantastic, I guess, celebration of uh, of golf. Yeah, it's nice. But how she went about it and did it, like shot, was it 64 in the last round and just put the pedal to the metal, didn't she? Uh, Birdied five of the first six holes. So she stands on the first (laughs) tee with an Australian, Jason Shrivener, who um, I was cheering for. I mean, I didn't want Lynn to win. I wanted Jason to win. (laughs) But then she... Birdie's the first two, has a par, then Birdie's three in a row. And then at one stage early in the round, they said that she was nine shots in front of the girls, which was enormous by itself. She ended up nine shots in front of everybody. Yeah, I mean, that was it was so good to watch. And, you know, I I thought that she may, you know, we may see sign of nerves here. Like the Mm. money that they were playing for this week is just on a next next level yeah. to what the girls are used to on the European tour. Well, her first two wins, she only won thirty thousand pounds a pop. Yep, which is nice money. Yep, correct. But it's nothing like three hundred thousand pounds. Three hundred and twenty thousand euros. So, oh, well, euros. I mean, excuse me. Yeah. First woman to win a DP World Tour event. Yeah, yep. being yep. a mixed event. And Marco, you love the swing, right? Oh, the swing is. I mean, I've been going on about Minji Lee's swing. I think Minji Lee's swing has been superseded uh, really quickly. Now, to me, she's come out of the clear blue sky. I mean, I follow golf like you follow golf. I might have seen a name here and there, but it wasn't until 
the DP World Tour put this montage of her swings together that she was making in the first round. Uh, she got off to an unbelievable start. The echo uh, at this golf course uh, with all the pine trees in the background and her swing – um, to me, it's got some Hogan, Ben Hogan I'm talking about here, some Hogan-like features, the way that, you know, the change of direction, the club really comes down towards her shoulder. And then through the ball, there is no kind of hand release that we're used to. It's very Hogan-esque on the way through. And the release, you know, the crossover happens really, really late. Now, I was always under the impression that you had to be super strong to be able to do that. Well, clearly, this, this this is something new. This is something we haven't seen before. I, I've never seen it before in the women's game where someone had so much power, such technique, um, and an ability to put nerves to the side and destroy a field of men. Yeah, but and look at the uh, look at the crowds that they were playing in front of. Like she wouldn't be used to that no, at all. No, at all, not not at all. So I mean, that's a, another tick for her. It's going to be it's going to be an exciting season ahead. Now you and you and I know this because we've had a background in professional golf. But it is what you what you just said. Then that that's a big factor when you when you trudge trudge along and you're in the background of golf and you're playing against or you're playing in front of a scorer, a few caddies, and you know some marshals around. What was it like for you the first time you got to play in front of a real crowd? How do I put it nicely? I was very nervous. <laughs> I was going to say other words there, Mark. But, yeah, it's just another thing that you have to learn to deal with. And yeah. clearly she's just been thrown into it. And, yeah. Yeah, and she's come out yeah, on top. The first time you have to actually push through people to get to the first tee. Oh, I don't think I've done that, Mark, eh? It's, it's unusual, um, Gazelle. I mean, it really is. It's a different... It's a different it's mindset on the I've first team. <laughs> well, I reckon all, some amateurs have, you know, because sometimes they get to play in the pro am, and you hear some of the, True. you hear some sports people from other, from you know, cricketers and footballers and netballers, and they get on the first tee. It's the first time they might be playing with Adam Scott, or they they might be playing with, you know, a crowd favourite, um, and they've got to hit off on that first tee in front of, you know, maybe it's three deep on the first tee. And you hear their stories. I'll tell you where there were some crowds, and that was at the Canadian Open. Oh, wow. Rory McElroy uh, went down to the wire with Justin Thomas and Tony Finau and won that event. It's his 21st event, and he had a bit of a whack at Greg Norman afterwards. Did you happen to hear yeah, that? Yeah, just a little whack. Did you hear that, yeah. Uh, yeah, just said that he's, you know, it's his 21st win, won more than someone else. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of tension out there at the moment because we had the Live Golf yeah. event outside London this week. Marco, what did you make of that and, uh, and Stace? Oh, well... Hopefully that sort of stuff just disappears into the background. I, I think it's been an emotionally charged week with the PGA Tour versus Live Golf. Um, Live Golf, to me, was interesting as far as how much money was going to be there. Um, it, it didn't feel like a normal tournament. I, I think they, in their plans, they'd hoped that they would normalise that style of golf. I'm not sure that's going to happen. But from... As far as I'm concerned, the tournament, their next tournament that's going to be in Portland, to me the money is now not such a talking point anymore. You know, we know what Dustin Johnson's going. You know, maybe Adam Scott's going to go across there. We think uh, a couple others will nick across, Bryson DeChambeau and a few others. Will, Patrick but, Reed. Patrick Reed. But, but we know what sort of money they're going to get. We know that, you know, it's, it's a dash for cash. It's something that... I thought was interesting this week was Phil Mickelson doing a press conference at the US Open and he only had one label on him and that's his own. All the other labels are now gone. 
So that that to me is very interesting as well. You know, he's just got that one silhouette of him doing the crazy jump when he won the Masters. That's his little symbol. Yeah, that's, that's the only one he had on at, the, at his main press conference. And that, you know, usually that's when they're wearing the the hat and they're just jam packed with all their labels because at that level, if you want a sticker on Phil Mickelson, it's ten million bucks. So it's 10 million bucks a year. Yeah, he's forfeited all of that now, hasn't he? All gone. Yep. Yeah. So Charles Schwartzel hadn't won for six years and he won that event, 4.75 million US. Uh, Trav Smythe played quite yeah. nicely, young Australian player out of New yeah. South Wales and Wade Ormsby, they were both inside the top yeah. 25. Can I ask you this, Stace? Um, because the big names are the ones taking all the heat they're going across and we understand um, why some people in America would think it's uh, disloyal because you know they've got a PGA tour that has set them up for life and um, they've also got this amazing superannuation program that they're all going to walk into you know something like Dustin Johnson's going to make 80 or 90 million bucks when he's when he's 60 years old something something crazy same with Bryson same with all those guys um, and there's, a, I guess, a feeling of some of the players on the PGA Tour that they're being disloyal to an organisation that's looked after them incredibly, incredibly well. But for the players that Martin's talking about, just the guys who just sneak in, um, you've seen it as much as I did. You know, if, if you're just starting your career or if you're finishing your career uh, and you have an opportunity to make 200000 Australian dollars, um, I, I would be sucked into that tournament you know, like someone had 15 vacuum cleaners on me. I, I mean, there's just there, – there, no matter how, what your stance would be morally, yep. uh, which is the big criticism, for your family and for your – either your family's future if you're Wade Ormsby or if you're a young man just starting out in professional golf, how hard would it have been to say no to 200,000 Aussie? Yeah, that's exactly right. Especially, yeah, the guys that are just starting out, like to give them that financial stability that we spoke of yeah. earlier, Marco. You know, to get that, you know, to get to get started to get going on, on tour and stuff. It's uh, it would definitely be hard to say no. Yeah, did you have money pressure starting out in your career? Yeah, I th- yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. There's uh, and there's a lot of stories yeah. that where people have had that pressure and have had to give it away, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I got yeah. off in my career. I got off to a really good start. Yep. I, mean, I, I had money in. I had money. I had checks arriving from people I didn't even know where they were coming from. Yep. Yep. So um, you didn't have maybe. I, did, that I didn't sort have of money. I didn't have money pressure yep. until I was about twenty-eight. Yep. Um, and then I felt like that was the biggest pressure. So you could imagine some of these young superstar Australian kids coming through, and within six months they've got money pressure. Oh, to me that's just such a big drag. So I, I can't blame our kids for going over there and playing. I can't blame the, the guys at the, uh, on the wrong side of the bell curve as well for going over and playing. But I don't think the press around the next tournament is going to be anywhere near what this one was. So US Open week, guys, you'd be looking forward to that. We've got seven Australians in the field. Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, uh, Lucas Herbert, Adam Scott. Jed Morgan's in the field as yeah. the Order of Merit winner. Todd's not qualified, so he gets a start. Well done. Great, great for Todd. Huge to And qualify. Minwoo Lee. And we actually had a chat to Minwoo Lee this morning, uh, just off the back of Minji, his sister, winning yeah. the US Open uh, the week before last. So uh, Minwoo actually spoke quite nicely about how he got together and spoke with his sister. And immediately after that, we'll have a listen to him talking about the way that he approaches an Open because a lot of players say, I'm going to treat it like any other tournament, not Minwoo. Let's have a listen. Uh, with our celebration, it's just, you know, eating good food and going out um, and, you know, just having each other's company we, for the next for the next couple of days after a win. We just um, we went shopping. We didn't buy anything, but, we, you know, just 
just being together. We don't get to spend too much time together. So it was just, it was pretty casual. Um, just had a lot of good food that week and, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. She's, uh, she's very happy with how she's going and, um, yeah, it was a, it was a proud moment for, I mean, myself and obviously she was, you know, there was some times where it's like, wow, I really won the U S open for her. So no, it was, um, it was a really cool moment. I think my problem is kind of dumbing it down and making every tournament a tournament. You know, I, I think I have to hype myself up like the masters, you know, there's so many people and you want to do well for, you know, my team and for them. But I, I, I think, I mean, I would like for myself to, you know, go into this tournament as a really big one and as should, I guess it's, you know, I'm not used to the PGA tour tournaments and I'm playing them and, especially this one, the US Open, it's another major, my first US Open. So I really, really would like to, you know, start off good like I did at the Masters and um, keep that going. Interesting, Marco, that he would do that and, and Stace. Um, a lot of players would just say, you know, each tournament's the same, but he, he likes to think of it as something a bit more. Yeah, and I guess for Min, you know, he probably wants to, you know, turn the notch up a little bit on everything and get a little more focused. It's like uh, I think Brooks does it quite well, doesn't he? He, mm. he says he only really preps for, preps yeah. for the majors. Um, and I guess maybe that's the way Min likes to go about things, maybe to light a bit of a flame in him, get up and about for it. I mean, we saw him do it at the Masters. He could, you know, he could do it again this week, couldn't he, and put himself up there in contention yeah. on the weekend. Well, certainly in the men's game, you've got Jack Nicholas who won the most, uh, and he put the majors up on the pedestal and prepared for them differently. Tiger Woods was exactly the same. I mean, those two guys, well, they got 33 between them. Uh, daylight to the next best, really. Um, uh, so if, if you have that in your the background of you wanting to win majors, then, yeah, I'd be tapering for the big tournaments as well. You've got four grand finals a year, really, uh, in uh, the men's game. And maybe your home open. Maybe that's about it. Are they the best brother-sister combination in Australian yes. sport right yep. now? Yeah. 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 World, maybe. Yeah. 100%. Yep. 100%. Oh, I reckon the Kerrs would have been up there. Sam Kerr now uh, got to oh, – she's the second highest paid woman in that game yeah. at the moment. And her brother was a pretty handy player for West Coast. Mm. But I can't think of any other brother and sister. And someone asked me this morning whether any brother and sister have won golf majors. I don't – Think no. so, but you know, no. I'm straight off the top here. No. Yeah, straight. Just thinking Unless, of it on the spot. Do you think maybe having? Well, I was going to say early 1900s when the when the girls start playing majors. I mean, it seems crazy we're even talking about yeah, this, no, this day, sure. doesn't it? In the 1940s or 50s or something, when the US Women's yeah. Open started, I reckon would have been the I've first. I've never, time. I've never heard of a brother and sister winning. So, and Minwoo hasn't won a major. Do you think he could win a major? I yes, yeah. I do. Yes, yeah, I yeah, mean I he's do. got a lot of X factor. Yeah. Well, how old is he? Twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> most kids are turning pro when they're twenty three. You know, most most Americans come out of college, uh, they spend five years there, they redshirt one, and they'll come and turn pro at twenty three. They'll do a year or two on the corn ferry and graduate, and then start winning. This guy's won. What he he won in Dubai. He's won a was it either the Scottish or the yeah, Irish. Scottish. He won Scottish. the Vic Open that got him started. Uh, Tough to win Vic Opens, by the way, aren't they, Stace? They're very hard to win. Oh, not, how not, many do you win? not in 2013. How, how many do you win? Oh, just one. Just one. Just one. So, um, to me, he's done more of an apprenticeship than just about everybody for his age in yeah. the world of golf. He's just, 23. He's, yep. he's going to have a lot of chances. He's just look. I think he's improved every single year. He, he might just be getting. He might be hitting a flat spot right at the moment, but. You know, that doesn't really matter. Yep. That doesn't really matter. But, um, yeah, if he 
continues even the this the trajectory that he's on at the moment, then he's going to be a top 20 player in the world. And if you're a top 20 player in the world, you can win every single major year teed up in. Well, Fox Sports and KO Sports this week, the US Open starting on Friday morning. Now, Stace, uh, the female engagement area, this is a very broad topic, but Nikki McClure is our cherry-picked guest uh, after this break in a moment. Um, Marco, you know you know Nikki, don't you? Yeah. Um, uh, it's hugely important, I think, Stace, to get uh, women, as part of our push to, to get more women and girls playing the game, we need women in powerful positions in the game as well, don't we? So, yeah, something like Nikki McClure coming through to be president of Kingston Heath, first in 100-plus years of history. Mm. It's, it's quite important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, it's fantastic to see. It's fantastic to see her wanting to do that, but the club embracing the opportunity as well. So I think it's gonna it's an exciting time for golf, but and especially for Kingston Heath. The best bit about Nikki McClure, uh, I went to the club dinner. I'm a member of Kingston Heath, where she's the president, and she hosts it. The, traditionally, the president of the golf club hosts uh, the club dinner. She has leadership qualities. I mean, the way she spoke, the way people applauded her uh, and laughed at her jokes, you know, those things are important. You know, you know when someone's not really respected when they make a little quip and it's silence. <laughs> Nikki did a few just little quips along the way and they were genuinely funny. And, they were, you know, it was, it was just great to see um, that she had the entire club in the palm of her hand. I mean, she's a great leader and she's going to, you know, what we heard last week, Martin, she's terrific to listen to. Well, Tiff and I and Marco spoke to Nikki McClure last week and we'll come back after this break with the cherry pick guest, which is Nikki McClure. Welcome back to the show as we now welcome our cherry picked guest for the week, Nikki McClure, president of Kingston Heath, the first woman to hold the position in the club's 113 year history. Welcome, Nikki. And congratulations. That is a massive achievement. And it's massive for women in the top echelons of golf across the country. Thank you, Tiff. And thanks, guys, for having me mm. today. Um, yes, yeah, it is a huge milestone. Um, uh, it's um, fantastic for our club, um, also for the Sandbelt. Um, I'm not the first. We've had Lynn Swinburne, Wendy Swift, um, and they're could be more, uh, but um, yes, I'm. I've been bestowed the role, and I'm so excited. It's fantastic for all the the women at Kingston Heath and members in general. Mm. In general, was there any trepidation, Nick? Because I'm coming from an angle. I'm a member at Kingston Heath as well, um, and when you're not in the room, everybody was thrilled with the decision that you were going to be elevated to this role. Which I think, you know, I've been around clubs long enough. Normally, there's a little bit of snide kind of stuff happening in the background, but as far as I could concern, there was not one word uh, that was in protest of you getting the uh, the club president position. But was there any trepidation on taking the role from your end? Well, to be honest, no, actually, because I've ever since I've got to Kingston Heath 15 years ago, I've only been welcomed, you know, wholeheartedly by all the members. I don't see um, club life as two different clubs within one. I I see it as one whole club. This is how I see it. But I do know that in the past there have been, you know, uh, issues around genders and their basis of being a member has been a little bit deterred by two clubs within one. But when I came in, I was really set on bringing the club together and and being part of one club. And um, I play with all all members, yes. men and women, and um, only ever been accepted as a member. 
Um, and that's why I just, you know, took the ball and ran with it. And, and I, I, I love it. I just love being part of the club and, you know, I'm a people person, so I think that helps also. Um, and I just accept everyone for who they are and love love listening to individual stories around golf and, and their life stories. No doubt there's been conversations had about the gender equity and, and the lens. What have some of the women said to you and even some of the men about this appointment and what it means to them personally and to their golf experience? I, I've actually had quite a lot of men come up to me and um, – um, stand straight on, look me in the eyes and wholeheartedly say to me, this is absolutely fantastic. Mm. I'm so proud of our club. I'm so proud that uh, you can stand up there as a woman and be our uh, club president. And also <laughs> over the years, I've really tried to change the narrative around um, golf and within our club. Mm. And um, I think it's really important that we start breaking down those barriers. So uh, a lot of the guys who I met 15 years ago would have used another <laughs> narrative around golf, but now I've, they've spent enough time around me. I can actually hear them changing their friend's mm. narrative and I stand there and I think, oh, wow, I actually didn't need to say anything then. So I just feel like, uh, yeah, they're really proud of it. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's transformational. Music to our ears, I think. Uh, do you feel the ball is rolling in this space? Do you think Without there's a doubt. momentum? Yep. 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 Um, in what way do you? Well, I see it in other sandbelt clubs too and clubs uh, locally and publicly. Well, I can get into that later, but just um, promoting women's golf um, when I started back in 2017. There are so many women out there like me who have wanted to and are really keen to get involved, but you know, as we've talked before, Tiff, just one person cannot do it. We need mm. we need to be an army, and I think um, women can actually have you know play a huge part in this. Uh, we shouldn't sit back and wait for everybody else to do it for us. We need to really um, embrace it all together, lift each other up, and then just drive golf and women's golf with within clubs and and private clubs, and also. Um, in the public eye as well. Well, they say, all the data says that when you make change, it's the tipping point's 30%. So if you've got a board of 10, you've got to have at least three women to actually force change. Mm. You were women's pre uh, women's captain of the club as well. And as part of the, the work that you were doing, you've been involved in golf for a long time. Tell us about Fairway Birdies and, and the work that you were doing before you obviously got into, you know, into being able to really create change at the club. Yeah, well, with Fairway Birdies... So my, my intro into golf actually um, is quite holistic because um, in 2003, uh, I lost uh, a daughter to SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. And um, I, uh, of course, that was a huge blow to the family. And um, personally, I was spiraling. And my mother said to me, okay, we need to take you out on the golf course. And literally, that just was my saviour. Like I... Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And without a doubt, that was my therapy every week. Mm. And it was brilliant and it, and it saved me. So I just wanted to share it. And later on down the track, um, when I, you know, started hitting the ball out of the centre of the club, I got addicted. <laughs> and the bug. The bug. Uh, I caught it. And um, anyway, I started up this um, Fairway Birdies blog uh, at the time and just started writing articles about 
everything to do with the game and uh, just saw myself oh, – I just kind of turned into an encourager. What was your um, key messaging to women? Ju- uh, just to get outside the box and start. Just do it. Like there is nothing holding you back. There is mm. no time like the present. Just get out there and do it. Embrace it. I was trying to empower them to make a decision to do something so far outside their realm of reality that because a lot of women think of golf like that, they're just like, no, I can't. Why would I go and do that? My husband does that on a Saturday with his mates or he goes from boys' weekends, which is great. I love that too. Um, and, and yeah, and to, speaking of what, you know, we'll go on girls' weekends and we go shopping and have coffee, which is great too. But I was thinking by then, I was like, no, I need to go <laughs> on these golf trips. Well, all golf is golf. It's yeah, part of that's the new right. national golf yes. strategy and yeah. everyone can play golf yeah. and, and yeah. golf is fun. Yeah. So anyway, um, three uh, – the girls started contacting me then and they're like, okay, how do we get into it? And I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to find somewhere for them to go. So on the mm. laptop, Googling, trying to find places, clinics for them to start up in. And a lot of the clinics were all uh, male dominated and maybe one girl in each clinic and very intimidating naturally. Um, and so I went to Yarra Bend and contacted a couple of coaches there and the boys put together an all-female clinic and over 230 women went through Yarra Bend. Um, And I give them a pink hat, a fairway birdie hat, and off they go. (laughs) And uh, a lot, yeah, uh, probably around, yeah, you know, six years down the track, um, there's a handful of them, members of Kingston Heights now. So. I never thought that would have happened. The the number one thing people take up something new for, I think, uh, particularly when we're talking about sport, is enjoyment. Uh, Yes. We've all got to enjoy this game somehow. Um, Courses like Kingston Heath and Royal Sydney and Lake Caranup and, you know, all the best courses right around the country, if we're talking about them in skiing terms, they're black runs. Yes. Mm. They are really, really hard golf courses. You Mm. know, Australian Opens are played there, men and women. Um, I see so many men playing from the wrong tees. And conversely, I see a lot of women playing from the wrong tees as yeah. well. Is, is this something that's going to be in the background? Because if, if girls and, and fellas, if they're coming to the golf course and they're shooting numbers that they shouldn't be shooting and it's not enjoyable, it's an easy solution. And that is just let's let them start on the fairway, way up. Yeah. Is this in the yeah. background? I mean, can we, can we get this organised? Because I think just, you know, same as skiing. You know, you go to Friday Flats or yeah. Burke Street and it's great fun. You go to a black run first up and it's a nightmare. So is this in the background somewhere? Yeah, I see something in that because I read an article the other day from Emma Ballard um, and she was talking about um, how we perceive it, how non-golfers perceive golf. Mm. And it's actually um, – if you don't actually get out there and try it yourself, you'll never know. And – and I, I'm always pushing at the Heath uh, or beginners to mm. start off the gold tees, the shortest course of the day. Yeah, there are four courses. Choose the shortest, and but it's a bit like in your golf bag. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get your driver out and and putt it. You know, yeah. three meters. You're going to hit your putter. Mm. So start early. Start when you start early. Start short, and then just That's and it. grow basically. It's got to happen. Like. When you go to a lot of these clubs also, they're red, the tees are red. So the women, the tees are red. The name in the diary is red. The name on the timesheet's red. Mm. Everything is driven towards a certain um, 
rule that golf has made for us. This is what you are going to do today. We're telling you what you're doing. We're not letting you choose. So we need to make it more pro-choice. Like mm. I, I should be able to go out and play off the blues if I want to. Absolutely. And my, but it, you've got the world handicap system. It's all fair. I play yeah. off 26 if, you know, I play off the blues. Yeah. Fantastic. That's where we're probably heading. I believe there's a club, the club in Melbourne, Box Hill, uh, who are using just tees per uh, quality of player, like per handicap at the moment. They're trialling that, and Wembley and WA are doing it as well. They just have tees. You know, you can pick your tee. Yep. Uh, right. Mickey, I, just further to what you were just saying about the red tees and stuff like that, this is a big one of mine. It's the language mm-hmm. of, yes. of golf. Now, last year I wrote a column on our website, on the Golf Australia and the PJ website, saying we need to get rid of the expression ladies. Yes, golf, absolutely. Because yeah. we've got lady members, that's a, a common expression. We've got ladies uh, competitions, ladies championships, stuff like this. Um, it needs to be women. It's more modern language. Yeah. Uh, the word ladies doesn't really... It's not an offensive word, I don't think, in any way, shape or form. I would use it myself. Come on, ladies, let's go out for dinner. But in terms of a golf competition and, a, you know, a golf event, you should yeah. be saying women. Yeah, um, without yeah. a doubt. Do and, the, and, it's, and it's easy because it's ladies is not a gender. Yeah. We have two – we have the gender. We have exactly. the male and we have the women. Men and women, sorry. Men and women's. So it's the the men's open, it's the women's open. Yeah. Um. I was just going to say then, yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to say, um, also when you're talking about changing the language, we, we are now marketing to a new generation Mm -hmm. coming through the ranks and they are a lot younger than us. And I've got two daughters and, and a son in that, in that same age category and they do not use the same language as us. So if we want to target these kids to come into the game, we ca- we have to stop calling 17-year-old girls ladies. Absolutely. They do not engage with that. Correct. They are not interested. <laughs> They're like, who and Marco, you, you know, you're looking at me, you know. <laughs> I've got a they will yet. correct you yeah. at home yeah. every, every day of the week. Every day of the <laughs> week. We, we all have to get on board with this. You, you wouldn't go out. We, we don't go and play in the gentleman's competition. No, no, no. I want to ask you, what would you say to other women out there and, and other young girls who are thinking about potentially having a career in golf? What would you say to them if they wanted to follow in your footsteps? What would they need to do? Oh, well, um, the young girls, there, is, there are so many resources and opportunities within these clubs, but they, but they need they – need, um, they need their mentors like Minji and Hannah and, you know, um, but, but we, need, we need to have the, the current golfers like the mums and the grandmothers and, 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 all, and the fathers. Um, the Australian Girls Scholarship is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. We had no young girls hitting balls off the range at the Heath. We put out – we signed up to that. We put out a message um, and we got 10 girls – names and they're all down there playing Brilliant. and hitting off the range. Yep. So we just need to keep building initiatives, but we need these these young kids don't have the resources to go and look up, oh, where can I find a clinic to go join when I'm 12 years old? They're not going to go and find that themselves. So we need to be really active in um, in marketing and it to them it. and promoting it to them and their parents. And that's through existing golfers. And that's what I was talking about before. There are so many women out there who are existing golfers who can do exactly the same thing that I've been doing. Imagine if 
we had, you know, a hundred, a hundred women wanting to do community instructing um, out on course for all these girls who have done fairway birdie clinics or mm. get into golf clinics. You see, all the clinics are great, but if we can't get them out on course, they are not going to evolve into golfers. Yeah. Well, Nikki, it's uh, been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and we wish you all the very best. And I know Mark will be there obviously watching um, closely and, and being, a, you know, a, a pillar of support as uh, many others of you said, as you've said, of uh, a part of the club. But thanks for joining us and we wish you all the pleasure. very best. Good on you, yeah, Nick. Thanks, we'll guys. Check thanks, in with you. doing a great job. Welcome back to the show. And Marco, I'm just going to ask you what you think about that kind of graded T situation that Nikki spoke uh, about. There. It's, uh, I know uh, a number of golf clubs around the country doing it. It's the best thing that's happened to golf, to where you can play from any tee, your handicap is adjusted, and it is a great way to play. Um, and Stace, I want to ask you, I mean, uh, we mentioned there, I, play, I played uh, golf a couple of months ago with two ladies who are very, very good players. They play off 14 and, and 18. I mean, that, that's... They're good players. Yep. They're great club players. Um, but they had trouble getting across the rubbish uh, that's in front of some of the tees at Kingston Eighth. When I say rubbish, you know, the beautiful Heathland areas is probably what I should be saying. Uh, but why aren't more women playing from the start of the fairway where where they should? And, and by the way, why aren't more men playing from the tees that would suit them better? Because to me, it's the, it's the one thing in golf that's really holding people back from enjoying themselves on the golf course. I mean, Kingston Heath, for instance, if we were talking about skiing, it's a black run. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a black run Championship golf course. golf course, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's a, it's an ego sort of thing. I don't want to do that. But I can tell you the clubs that have embraced this, you know, being able to, mm. you know, or having each tee rated to, you yeah. know, what I absolutely love it because I play for more social reasons these days. So yeah. if I'm playing with a group of three guys – I want to join them yeah. on those tees. But I love playing a comp too. So I want to enter the comp. Yeah. And I, I love it. Now, I do it quite often at uh, Victoria. Yeah. And we're, we're able to. My handicap gets adjusted depending what tee yeah. you go off. But but I agree with you. It's not it's not just a female thing. I think maybe some thing. of the – Yeah. Like, it's much worse than the male game. They the, I was going to say, they do not want to uh, – am I saying this wrong here? They no, do not no, want to go say, off the uh, – We can cop it. All right, their ego <laughs> will be absolutely hammered if they were seen playing off the forward tees. Am I yeah. right? Yeah, that, that is true. Yes. But you know what? There's a couple at Kingston Heath who shouldn't be playing off uh, the white tees and they should be playing forward. Yep. Uh, next time I play with them, I'm going to play forward with them. Yes. A- and my handicap will go from whatever it is, scratch plus one, it'll go to plus four. Yep. And I've got to shoot a pretty low score from down yes. there. And, and it just works beautifully. So yeah. sometimes you need You'll to You'll need do to that make yourself. some birdies that day, Marco. <laughs> now, we've got to cover some news now. So Dane Heverin, digital, digital content coordinator for Australian Golf, has come in. Now, Dano, um, it's British Amateur Week. Thanks, Blakey. Yeah, it is. So we've got 15 Aussie men. 15? Over there at it's the unbelievable, moment. isn't it? That is huge. Yeah, That's this- a quad, how many, what is that, almost a quarter of the field or is it a – an eighth of the field? Oh, it's a lot. It's a massive field now. It's about 250 in the field okay. now. 2% of the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pipe down, Marco. Pipe yeah. down. <laughs> it's, it's Tuesday here while we're recording this, and they started playing overnight, and Hayden Hopewell started really well. He's tied for fourth at four under. Obviously, had, came runner-up twice across the PGA Tour of Australasia yeah. this season as an amateur. Yeah. So he's one to really watch out for, and... The likes of Harrison Crow and Jack Buchanan are all there playing as well. 
which is fantastic for Aussie golf and their experiences. Yeah. Obviously, US Open week as well, and the tee times have come out, and Ooh. Cam Smith is in a massive group with Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler. Oh, wow. Oh, so that that's means, exciting. Yeah, that means plenty of t- um, TV time for Cam, surely, and yeah. be very good to watch. Great for the Aussie viewers, that one. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's the one, one great thing that they do in America um, is that they will ask um, – the, the home countries, when's the best time to have their star off? And they really do look after. So, for instance, you know, our, our time is a little different to uh, London's time. So they actually do the pairings quite often with the big stars so the most people can watch them in their home country. Oh, that's one of the great things that they've been doing for a long time. They do it at the Masters. I'm sure they do it at the US Open. I think that's sort of part of it has been brilliant. They've been doing it for maybe 20 years and – I don't think they get any credit for it, but they should. I think we're going to have some early mornings this week, Dane. Um, so what about other tournament stuff this week? Well, Steph Kiriakou was leading after the first round on the LPGA Tour, which is a massive effort. Yeah, I think, is it any coincidence that she spent a bit of time with Kari Webb last week and then she comes out and shoots 65 in the first round? Isn't it amazing? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, really good. And we don't, I mean, we don't want to give too much kudos, but uh, Luke Mackey was on the bag as well. So we no. don't, I know. Who, who, who's Luke Mackey? I don't know who Luke Mackey Luke is. Mackey works for Golf Australia. He's based at uh, the Australian Golf House in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, so called him in for the week. No um, good. Yeah, Amazing. so no, it's fantastic to see for Steph because she's been going through a little bit of a rough uh, patch and obviously did get to spend some time with Kari and, yeah, finished uh, – had a reasonable week but obviously got off to a great start. She, she wouldn't have only – the only handful of tournaments she would have played, wouldn't she? Well, maybe this is yep. her fourth or fifth start. Something yes. like that. Yep. So to actually break – I mean, that's a breakthrough. Mm. Uh, to lead that's a right. LPGA tour event at any stage is a breakthrough and something she'll learn from. So clearly got some energy and some – Real talent. Yeah, got a new coach too, I believe. Yeah, she has Grant over Wade? the last few. Grant oh, Wade. Yes, mm. same coach that Gabby sees actually. Grant so, Wade. Yep. The ex New Zealand superstar. Play- oh, great. Mate, he had one of the great golf swings I'd ever seen, yep. and very long legs. Is that right? Yeah, long yeah. legs, too long. And Gabby Ruffles yeah. played well, Dane, which yeah, is great ca- to see. Came third on the Epson Tour, which is fantastic. She seems like she's really started to turn the tide a little bit the last few weeks, playing really well there. Yeah, she has. Obviously, she was only one shot out of a playoff this week, so fantastic to see. She had, I think, second round eight under as well. And, yeah, she's climbed up to 16th on the Epson Tour money list with top 10 um, getting LPGA cards at the end of the year. And we've actually got four Aussies in the top, well, top 16 at the moment, and that's Grace Kim, Sarah Jane Smith, Robin Choi and Gabby at 16 there. So, my, exciting. My favourite stat with uh, or f- talking point with Gabby Ruffles is that she'd only been playing golf for one year and she uh, entered her first tournament at like 14 and she shot 75 off the stick. Yeah. The first ever tournament. Only played for 12 months and shot 75 off the stick. That's off the charts, folks. Incredible. Can play. We also had a winner this week. Richard Green on the Legends Tour. Greenberg. Yes. Good on him. He's a good well, player. Well, he's a contemporary of, of you, Marco. Isn't yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Won, we, we won a Division One pennant final. So ah. we, we, I've known Richard for a long, long time. He always had the best left-handed golf swing I've ever seen to this day. Uh, and I think he's now won in the 90s, uh, the 2000s, the 2010s, and now the 2020s. So um, not many people can put up their hand and say they've won in four different decades. So it's enormous. Well, what a beautiful looking swing, oh, Richard yeah. Green. I think lefties always look like they've got a good swing, mm. though. Do you? Yeah. They Even do. Phil Mickelson's swing? 
Sometimes. Sometimes? Yeah, okay. Are I you, do, I do. Uh, reverse, if you, oh, I guess if you ever get a chance to reverse uh, Richie Greenswing, it, it gets even better. Is that right? Yeah, he looks even better as a right-hander. Yeah. So, Dane, uh, Adam Scott, a little bit of a gong for Adam Scott and uh, Sandra McCall. Yeah, Adam Scott was one of many Australian athletes to um, be awarded as part of the Queen's birthday. OAM. OAM. Order of Australia. Sandra McCaw, you would have yes. seen or played a little bit of golf yeah, with her. Superstar maybe. player. Yeah, superstar One of the player. greatest amateurs we've, amateur. we've ever had. Yeah. So congratulations to them. Any, any Anything else, Dana? Um, Brad Kennedy just keeps playing fantastic Brilliant. golf in Japan. He was tied second this week and he's got to start in the British Open next month and he's just performing so well in Japan. Yeah, he's like an ATM up there, isn't he? He just keeps <laughs> chipping away up there. I can't wait for yep. the uh, British Open at St Andrews. I, I really can't wait for it. The 150th, the celebrations are going to be enormous. Tiger Woods has taken this week off at the US Open, so there's a bit of news. Uh, and he's done that just to prepare and be right for one of his favourite golf courses, which uh, I think he's won twice at. Yeah. Yeah, he has won twice. Once famously never got in the bunker. Before his, four rounds of golf at St Andrews, not a bad effort. Yeah, his favourite place. Anything else doing, Dano, this week? Just looking forward to the Open? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yep. huge yep. week. And then obviously week after yeah. is the next women's major, so there's a lot of professional golf going on. I've got a little bit of news for you. Matt Fitzpatrick, who won the uh, US Amateur back at this golf course some years ago when he uh, was an amateur, he got billeted out of family. These days he's quite a uh, successful professional. He went back to the family and he's getting billeted again. <laughs> so he's done that superstitiously, but I love that stuff yep. in sport. I reckon that is just sensational. Good on you, Dane. Thank you. We're going to come back after this break for the long-awaited Marcos Masterclass. Welcome back to the show, and uh, we love this little segment, Marcos Masterclass. What have you got for us this week? Mark? Right, uh, I watched a lot of golf this weekend, Stace. I watched a lot of golf, and some of the, some of the, just the little simple chips uh, that the pros make look really, really easy. I see amateur golfers making it look really, really hard. <laughs> In fact, they they're hopeless at it, and most people choose the putt when they can. And I get that. I really do. But if you did want to learn a terrific little technique that I've been seeing more and more, um, it, it's like you're putting with your sand irons, or a 56 or a 60 or even a, a 50-degree sand iron, somewhere there, around there, and you're seeing more and more players have the toe on the ground and the heel up in the air, and they really do it like they're putting. Now, when um, you have a putter, uh, a sand iron sitting like that, the line kicks the ball out to the right. So when people try this for the first time, they putt with the sand iron, the ball keeps on going out to the right, and then they start using the bottom hand to try and square the thing up, and then it gets worse and worse and worse. But when you actually go and watch the better players do this, they slightly shut the face with the toe on the ground, and they try and draw the chip shot. Like a now, bit of hook spin there. They try, they try and hit a draw chip when they do it. Yep. And one, you won't have to use the right hand because the line angle won't be kicking it out anymore. The club face angle will keep it straight. But the toe, when it's just got the toe on the ground, the club never really gets caught in any kind of grass, whether it's cooch grass or rye grass or kaikuyu grass, it doesn't matter. So it's a beautiful way to do it. It's not a pitch. It's a real putting-type chip. But when you do it, when you see the pros do it, when the toe's on the ground and the heel's up in the air, make sure the club face is a little bit closed to where you want the thing to start. And then it'll all start to make sense. 
So you're protected against that little chili yeah. dip. That that is yeah, the States. chili yes. dip is the most. Uh, it, it brings you undone. It, it, it'll just go right through your whole game. Yeah, Not to mention see. the bladed skinny over the back. Oh. I can see how that could work, though, with the different lies and sort of get through grass. Or Well, you know as well as anybody, the more loft, the line angle has to be absolutely spot on. Yep. So, when, like I said, when, when, when the heel of the club is an inch in the ground, uh, up in the air, the thing's going to go straight right. Anyway, yeah. something to, to think try. about. I'm ready to try that one. Stace, thanks for coming in today. Great to have you on board. Hey, thanks for having me again. Marco, thanks very much. Pleasure, pleasure. This podcast is on all the popular podcast platforms. We also play on Sport FM in Perth on Tuesday nights. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Oz Golf Show and send us a message or a question if you like. See you next week, guys.